Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper, Sands, Ronald J. Martin. Uh, Pipe, what do you think our boy Ron is doing right now? Uh, not responding to text messages. I sent him one uh, yesterday about some live in Louisville logistical details since he is yeah. the, so- the Sojourn connection, and it has been he radio is. silent. So he's apparently sabbaticaling from, um, from all things related to URI. Dude, given that it's Sojourn, they've probably rented like a, a mansion for for uh, the other conference and live in Louis. I feel like they they take care of their people, man. They they pamper big time over there. So yeah, and um, it's it's probably it's probably something that was originally funded by like a bourbon baron, and uh, yeah. it has it has a killer whiskey cellar or something like that. Yeah, they've actually rented out an entire like distillery, and um, they're just going to live there for the week, I think. But. Um, Nevertheless, Pipe, we soldier on because we are radio professionals, and um, the show the show must go on. People need their entertainment, and we are here to provide that. Speaking of Louisville, uh, city of distilleries, city of conferences, um, we have Live in Louisville 2 coming up. Uh, remind them, Pipe, when is that, and how can they get tickets? Yes, tickets. You go to happyrantpodcast.com. The link is right there. It's a nice, bold link right in the middle. You can't miss it. It is April 10th. So as of today, that is significantly less than a month. And that means that we're running out of time to get tickets, but we still have them available. They cost $15, which really isn't that expensive. Ronnie thinks they should cost like three times that. That's how valuable he thinks our presence is. $75, bare minimum. So I I would simply like to say you're welcome to all attendees and those of you who are considering attending for uh, keeping prices reasonable as opposed to Ronnie's merchandising self. And uh, so, yeah, go to happyrentpodcast.com, get your tickets. It is on the eve of Together for the Gospel, so come have lots of fun before you go sit in full days of sermons by guys in suits. Sermons that are markedly similar to the ones you hear every Sunday, probably, and probably even the ones you preach, but uh, nevertheless. Probably also the ones you heard last time you paid to go to the same conference. (laughs) Dude, we could do a whole app on the psychology behind that because I think it's fascinating. And I'm I'm not knocking it, but I'm just I'm fascinated by the whole thing. It's I have always asserted this, Piper. It is church camp for adults. Oh yeah, that's so exactly what it's I was not just going to say. I mean, it's it's not yeah. about it's not about it, the sermons. It's not about the content. Not about the sermons. It's about getting away. It's about pampering yourself. Little church camp. Little church camp for adults. And and uh, to to make it even more strikingly similar to church camp. You know, church camps were always like you didn't go to like resorts. You went to like. Right. Some nasty mildew smelling campsite in the middle of the woods where you, you know, fought mosquitoes and stuff. Absolutely. Not dissimilar from the city of Louisville, actually. Oh, that's true. Although our Louisville residents are going to take umbrage with that. And maybe, Pipe, just maybe they'll leave us a bad review on iTunes. But I want to talk about iTunes. Uh, I want to talk about our listeners and our fans. I want to say thank you to them. Uh, so thank you to all those folks who are downloading and listening and streaming each and every week. Uh, we couldn't. We literally couldn't do this without. We wouldn't do this without you. Let's say we could still. I was going to say mean, we, we could. I mean, there's there's yeah. a lot of people who like put out content on the internet when and nobody sure. cares. But but that's kind of. I mean, of we could still basically have a phone call every week to catch up and record it. But uh, but I'm I'm much happier doing this knowing that there are people listening. And to those listeners, I would say this. If you listen to The Happy Rant, if you enjoy the content, uh, please go to iTunes. Leave us a fawning review. The more fawning, the better. Five stars. Uh, I'm not interested in your honesty. I'm not interested in f- constructive criticism at this point. We want fawning. We want five-star reviews. 
So if that's the headspace you're in, um, run, don't walk to wherever you do that on iTunes and, uh, and do that for us. We would greatly appreciate it. And we will thank you in person in Louisville. Uh, Piper, we've got some things to get to, man. We're actually, uh, we're doing a full day of radio today, so I don't want to bore people with the details, but we've got a lot of radio ahead of us. Um, you threw a fascinating topic in front of me and let me just set this up. So I want to break down terms, things that we call people that could either be condescending, they could be taken as condescending or taken as terms of endearment. Let me give you examples. Uh, kiddo, bud, sport, champ, chief, man, bro, big fella. Um, and I'll get us started by saying that big fella is my go-to term for dudes who I don't remember the name of. So <laughs> if I'm in a if I'm in a class and a, and a kid asks a question and uh, I've forgotten his name, I'll be like, "Say again, big fella." You know, um, big fella is a go-to for me, even if the guy's not big. Um, you know, it's it's a go-to kind of. Uh, like, I affirm you and I like you, but I've forgotten what your name is. So and break some of these down for me. Piper. See, Big Fella is strong because, I mean, coming from somebody like you, you have a bit of a coach vibe about you. So that totally yeah. works. Yeah. Um, it, the other reason it works is because um, men are vain. And mm. so little men mm-hmm. want to be seen as bigger than they are. And big guys want to be recognized as big, assuming it's not like, you know, hefty yeah. big. You're not like, hey, Chunky. So Dude, I, Right. And I, I wouldn't say Big Fella to a guy who was like – Morbidly obese. Cor- corpulently fat. <laughs> exactly. Corpulent, dude. What a word. That's a word that like is what it is. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's like an onomatopoeia almost. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. <laughs> so I, I, think, uh, I think Big Fella is a, is a good one, but I also don't think that everybody can get away with using it. Um, yes. In a casual sense, I, I just go with man because yeah. as, as yeah. Ronnie has broken down on this podcast, bro feels very aggressive to him. It doesn't feel yeah. aggressive to me. It feels – more like lazy. It's very surfery. Yeah. You know, it's like, bro. I feel it's sort surfery. Of, it's lazy. It's it's ninja turtley. It seems condescending, and it seems kind of like, uh, like Valley Girl. Even though you're a guy, you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I yes. just I feel a little like teenage girlish when I call someone bro. It just um, it it also feels uh, it feels. You see, Ronnie thinks it's aggressive. I feel it's more I like don't. slimy. Like, yeah. Like you're trying to like you're trying to like. Be closer to me than we actually are. like. I'm not your bro. I'm not. Dude, right. Like, I'm not your. I'm nobody's bro. Exactly. I'm, I'm not your bro. So, yeah, it's it's strange. It, it is it is like implied closeness when there is none. And, yeah, rather than being aggressive, that's what it that's kind of what it conveys to me. Now, I uh, I, I want to lay one on you. And, I, and first, I want to honor someone. So I learned big fella from a guy that I was an assistant coach under. He was a defensive coordinator at Williamston High School. I'm sure he's not listening. But uh, but anyway, funny dude, funny, funny dude. He was a big, older uh, high school football coach. Used big fella um, just with panache. And what I took away from that experience was I'm going to use big fella as, as well as this guy does it. So uh, I have to give credit where credit's due and uh, and give some some love there. But uh, talk about kiddo. Piper, because I'll be honest with you, I use kiddo once in a while and I use it always as never in a condescending way. Um, How do I use kiddo? I don't know, man. Do do you use kiddo or are you a kiddo guy? uh, 
I, well, I use it with my kids and it's sort of a term okay. of affection, you know, like if yeah. I'm texting, yeah. my, texting my daughter or whatever, right. you know, something like that. But if I'm speaking to somebody who's of close to adult age, so like college age, younger, it's almost always in jest, you know, okay. so just sort of drawing a distinction between me as somebody in my mid 30s and them as in their early 20s. Sure. So not in the pejorative, like talking yeah. down to them. That would be more like bud. See, bud yeah. to me feels very talk downish. Interesting. See, I don't see. So, so like if 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 somebody comes up, it's a little bit like bro, but it feels more like they're speaking to me like I'm a child. So kiddo, I only ever use in jest with a fellow yeah. adult. Bud yeah. is a much more like I'm going to cut you out at the knees and make you feel like you are 11 again. Dude, see, here's a funny thing. I call my dad Bud, and he calls me Bud. Um, I don't know when it started or how it started, but um, it's just what we do. And uh, so for me, that's a that's a very warm one, but it's not one that I use with anybody else. So right. I don't and call see, anybody I, else Bud. And I think that – I mean bro could be the same way. I think in the context of somebody you know well, none of these – you can call people whatever works. You know, There are yeah, people who yeah. call each other you know, all sorts of profanities as terms of affection too, and that's – great in that context um it is great in that context if you've ever been in that context i i I have been and i love it yes if you yeah (laughs) if you don't have at least one friend who you can call like a face blushing you know make make your mother cry name then you don't have the right friends Um, i totally agree everyone needs a friend like that for sure but so this is more talking to people you don't really know. Like you said, the student right. whose name you forgot, the guy you meet at the at a conference. See, conference yeah. is my context for a lot of these. Uh, oh, or, sure, or yes. Or like what the salesman calls you when he's oh. trying to get you to buy a new pair of Nikes or a new mm-hmm. car or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's the context where these need to be sort of broken down. I'm I'm fine with sir. Like if you're a salesperson, yeah. call me sir. Dude, sir is good, man. Sir, you can't go wrong with. You know, everybody's going to respond well to sir. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I use kiddo when it's sort of a sympathetic moment, like with a student, I'll be like, ah, hang in there, kiddo, you know, you got this. Um, but that, that I think is kind of the only context. Um, I'm going to lay another one on you pipe. What about champ? And I'll preface this by saying I use champ a lot in college, um, to, to great comedic effect. Like I had a group of friends <laughs> and like, I would call them, I would call them champ, you know, and and I would call like guys on the wing champ, and I, again I don't know how it started, but uh, but it was a it was a funny thing that had a shelf life, like it had a time and a place. So once college got over, I stopped using champ, but uh, but I have fond memories of it. What's your relationship to the word champ? Uh, it, I can't think of a time I've ever been called champ, and I appreciated it. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I, I get what you're talking about because, again, that's like a that's a yeah, that's like a, like time a little of, inside joke. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and I and I think I'm, I'm sure I've used it that way too. You know, kind of like you. I mean, like using the phrase like "buddy old pal" or something like it. Mm-hmm. You don't use that seriously. It's always said tongue in cheek. Um, yeah. I don't. I haven't heard "champ" often. It's. I think it's that is one that would probably be reside in the realms of like. Real douchebags who are like <laughs> in their twenties, yes. or like old guys who can kind of talk down to people my age because they are thirty and forty years my senior. Not talk yeah. down in an insulting way, but like they can talk like they're the coach or they're the boss because yeah. you know they're old enough yeah. to be my dad. Absolutely, I can't wait to be that guy. 
like a like an old grizzled man in a windbreaker calling people champ and not ironically. You know what I mean? Like when we do it now and when I did it in college, it was sort of like we were playing at being douchebags, which is what made it funny. Um, are, are we playing, though? I think we have some listeners who would, who would take umbrage with that. Yeah, definitely some listeners would take umbrage, and I'm sure they'll take this opportunity. Or, to, or former listeners at this point. To publicly take umbrage. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I look forward to being a grizzled old man calling people champ. And, uh, and I got one more to lay on you, Piper. What about the word chief? I'll, and I'll be honest. I'll come clean here. I'm a chief guy. Um, I enjoy calling people chief. Um, see, I think people chief, chief and boss can boss can absolutely yes. work. So I listened to, uh, I listened to the audio book. There's a, there's a book called as you wish, which is uh-huh. stories from the making of the princess bride. It's written by Carrie Elwes, the guy who played Wesley. Oh, nice. And he does all of these. He tells all these Andre, the giant stories in there. And I guess Andre, the giant oh. called, called everybody boss, except he had, you know, he had that huge gravelly voice. Oh dude. Yeah. I listened to that and I was like, you know, that sounds right. Because if you're a seven foot four, 500 pound man, yeah, everybody feels tiny and meaningless next to you unless you lift them up. And so to call Dude, right. a little yes. man boss is to right. make them feel significant. And so I think I think boss works. I think chief is similar because um, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. Again, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit like sir, except not formal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boss and chief are strong. And man, what a great story about Andre the Giant, and what a great idea for a book. Um, it's been a long time since I've thought about that movie, but I feel like I would read the heck out of that book. Oh, it's um, it's so well, and the audiobook is even more interesting because he reads it, and then they also get some audio clips from like Billy Crystal and Wallace no. Shawn and some others. It's great. It's a lot of fun, dude. That thing had a monster cast. <laughs> it really. really did, and even just the the story that he tells of how hard it was. To, like it's it that script by William Goldman got bounced between nine, ten different studios, got rejected, yeah. got – it was almost cast with a whole different set of A-listers and then that got right. rejected. So – and then it just sort of coalesced into like the perfect timeless film in so many ways. Dude, because it was such a mold breaker, man. I've, yeah. I've read all those Will, William Goldman screenwriting books. So so yeah, I, I had actually heard a lot of that background too. But um, that was a script that defied – categorization at the time. I mean, it wasn't a costume drama. It wasn't a comedy per se. It had comedic moments, but um, yeah, it had so much going on in it. And it's become such a, such a relevant movie for people of a certain age. But uh, yeah, that's a good one, man. So pipe, let's talk about this since we're talking about books and we're talking about writing um, writer's block. This is a question that we get um, all three of us because we're all men of letters. Um, it's a question we get online quite a bit. Writer's block, is it real and how do you deal with it? So I'll uh, I'll pose that to you first. What do you what do you make of writer's block? Well, I, uh, I don't make much of it. I think mm-hmm. I think writing is hard work sometimes, sure. just like any other task that you take on, and especially any creative task. Like there are times you just don't feel inspired. Um, yeah. I think I think calling it writer's block though tends to be a um it's like making a boogeyman out of what is probably fatigue or stress sure. or something else. You know, there's some mm-hmm. other cause to it. So I get a little bit frustrated by the people who are like, writer's block doesn't exist. Just work through it. Like, I think that's sort of a Stephen Kingish mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, cause I think, I think it is, I think it's real, but I think mm-hmm. it's usually a, uh, 
there's another root cause, like take a sure. nap or give yourself a break or, you know, write. I mean, or what, what most people say is just write some crappy stuff so that you mm-hmm. can just sort of get it out of your system. And I agree with all that. Like, I, I think it's, I yeah. think it's good to take breaks from writing, you know, yeah. some, sometimes weeks and months just to kind oh, of give, give your mind. A I rest. Agree. Yeah. I'm not a guy who says, you know, sit down and write every day. You don't have to do that. Definitely don't have to do that. And also I'm not a, I'm not a writer who's ever, well, no, I wouldn't say never, but it's been a long, long time since I've had to write crap that I didn't want to write vocationally. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate and I think you are too at this point to be, we're blessed in that we get to write the things that we want to write by and large. And uh, it's been a long time since I've had to write stuff. But even then I feel like it came fairly easily, but, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. There are stretches for me where I'm not writing anything. And I don't really feel bad about it because I know there will be massively productive stretches to follow. And I think for me, it's more about getting an idea that's inspiring. And and once that comes, um, you know, the work kind of flies out of me. Like, for example, I'm writing a, a TV script pilot for uh, a sports agent who I grossed wrote a book for several years ago. He has some, you know, some people attached to a project and we wrote a treatment for it and now there's uh, there's a little bit of demand for a pilot episode. And once I had the idea for what I wanted to have happen in the pilot, you know, it only took me like a day to write the script. So um, but I think it's a matter for me of getting the ideas. And, and we've said this on the air before, you know, when you're a writer, you're writing all the time. Yeah. So w- when you're in the car and, and you're not necessarily at a keyboard, you're still writing in your head, you're writing in the shower. Um, you know, you're always thinking of what you want the sentences to say or what you want the characters to do. So, um, I think that can be, I think a good way out of writer's block is for people to just remove some of the pressure if they can, Yeah, you know, not feel like they have to be writing all the time. I think the greatest cause of writer's block is deadlines, you know, where it's cause you, you and I are speaking about somebody who has the flexibility. So for example, I, I had a book come out a year ago and I have done almost no published writing since, you know, Mm. no, no book proposals, no nothing. I've written some articles and contributed here and there because I just felt tired. Like I was just exhausted. Life has been exhausting and things are busy and I just needed a break. But at no point did I fear that I would lose, like that that would be the last thing I wrote. I was just like, you know what? I need a break. I need to, I need to give my mind rest. And now I'm starting to work on some things again but if I was on a contractual deadline for the last six months, mm. I think I would feel a different sort of pressure. Now, I, I would also know myself well enough to know that I could work through that. But, sure. I mean, you've also written articles. You know, you, you've you right. been a contributor to things. And that means, like, if you have a Wednesday 9 p.m. deadline and it's Wednesday at 7 p.m. and you have, you know, a cursor blinking at you, <laughs> that that's yeah. hard. But you also just learn to go, okay, well, I need to trust my writing yeah. muscles well enough that the things I put down might not be my best, but they're the best yeah. I've got right now. Dude, that's right. You say to yourself, I know that I can do this. I've done it in the past. It's been good. It's been well received. So, you know, let's just pony up and do it. Um, and that's a, that's a nice place to be in, you know, and, and you don't, I don't think you roll out of bed at age 21 feeling that way. You know, right. that's, that's something that comes after a lot of years of, of doing it somewhat successfully. So, uh, yeah, I, pipe, I think that's, a, I think that's a big piece of it. I think writer's block feels scarier the less you have written because 
because every time you feel it, you you wonder if if you're ever going to get that next, you know, that next sure. stroke of inspiration, that next yeah. published piece, that next opportunity. Whereas once you've been at it for a few years and you have opportunities, you, you can, and especially if you're not depending on writing for your living, which most of us don't, most of us do other things. Um, yep. Yeah, you just sort of gain a level of confidence going, it's a dry spell, but it will come back around. That's right. That's absolutely right. Piper, we have time for one more quick topic on this episode, and it is a fascinating one. Um, the question is this, are bullies so bad? Um, I I will look forward to hearing from you on this, but I can, I can say this. Um, I don't think I've ever been a bully. I hope not. You know, I hope I've never been a bully in the traditional sense of of picking on people who are weaker than me. But I can say this. You know, growing up in a relatively tough blue collar town as a kid with an uncool last name. Um, <laughs> Boy, it, you, yeah, there's some fun rhyming games with your name. It made me tough, man. It made me tough. And, and you know, more than a couple of schoolyard fights happened along the way. And, and, you know, to me, that was just all part of growing up. But um, I didn't look at it as necessarily, oh, my gosh, I'm getting bullied. I don't know how to deal with this. Um in part, though, because I had a I had a cool dad who gave me some great advice and, um, you know, helped me kind of take care of these things on my own. But uh, what do you make of this uh, bullies and bullying? I know this this could be a trigger hot button topic for people yeah. just given the seriousness of the conversation. And it's it's easy for me to, you know, wax nostalgic about it and talk about the old days and, and kind of gloss over the seriousness of it, because I know I know that it is serious. So um, what, what do you make of this bullies? Well, I the question was was pulled from I was watching a stand up bit by Chris Rock and he mm-hmm. does a whole thing on how how bullies are necessary because he's like he's like teachers teach us some valuable information bullies teach us the stuff we're going to use for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. you know it's like dealing with conflict dealing with jerks yeah. how to be resilient how to be tough and yep. he's he has a point uh about about the things that can be learned. I, you know, obviously being Chris Rock and a stand-up comedian, he's going to push it to the limit. For sure. But I also feel like bullies have become like, they're like, they're the, they have been blown out of proportion in, mm. in terms of how, like the, the response to the threat. And, yeah. you know, so my kids are in school and I remember when they were little, like when they started in elementary school, we might've covered this in an episode a mm. long time ago. They they used to they used to think bully was like the worst word in the world because that's the thing yeah. the teachers were trying to speak against. And I'm like, girls, you're not bullies. And the right. kids who pick on you aren't bullies either. They're just mm-hmm. jerks. Yeah. Like that just people are mean. That's not the yeah. same thing as being a bully. Right, right. And not to get all reformed pubcast about it, but it, I mean it is sin nature. And I mean you put any group of kids together for seven hours a day, five days a week, and you're gonna see everyone's sin nature come out in one way or the other. And, and, you know, more often than not, it, it looks like bullying or people picking on each other or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to what you said though, about what you can learn about bullies. And I think it's, it's always an interesting conversation as a parent, like, uh, as a Christian parent, especially, you know, the, the conversation goes something like, I mean, you want to be kind of Matthew 18 about it, right? I mean, you want to, you want to see if your kid can, you know, talk to the person and resolve the conflict in a kind of gentlemanly way mm-hmm. and, and, you know, then maybe bring in other people. But um, I tell you, man, there was something kind of clean in the old days about 
once you tried all those things and it still escalated to a level where, you know, the dude just would not let up. Um, having your dad give the green light to take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> like that was so freeing for me. And, you know, I'll never forget. Like there were a couple of these conversations with my pops and I remember where I was when they took place, when he was just like, okay, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and then I would do it. And then inevitably the problem would go away. I, again, I realize it's not that clean for everybody and it's probably different now, but, um, and, and I think another kind of charming small town thing was that often the people you fought ended up becoming your friends later. Um, so I don't know, man, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting deal. And I went through it a little bit with my little guys just because they share the same uncool last name as me. And, <laughs> you know, they dealt with some of the, some of the same things growing up, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's different. It, I think it is really different today and it's different, you know, cause I, I've told my, so I have daughters, which I, mm-hmm. I think changes the dynamic of things because I'm learning all about how girls are mean to each other versus boys. Yeah. I think if I had a boy and people treated him the way some people, like some of my daughter's peers treat her, I would mm. just give him the green light. I'd be like, look, you've tried to love your enemies. You've tried yeah. to, you know, heap burning mm-hmm. coals on his head by responding with kindness. You've tried right. to be patient and kind and good and talk through him and go to the adults. Now just knock him on his butt. Like now yeah. just, it's a yeah. little harder to say that to girls or not harder to sure, say it, sure, but sure. it's like, that's not the dynamic, especially mm-hmm. when like I, somebody told my daughter the other day. So my, my daughter has a couple girls at school who are fairly mean to her. And they were in some spat. And one of the other kids was like, if you do that, I'll have my parents sue you. And I'm like, you're 12. What? That's so 2018, though. That's so right now. Which which (laughs) gives me pause by giving my daughter freedom to like smack her in the mouth because she deserves it. Right. But I'm not sure I want to weather a lawsuit or have my daughter expelled from the school. You didn't get kicked out of school for fighting. You just got right. you maybe you got a detention or your parents got a call or whatever. That was the same Dude, for me. Right. That's that has changed a lot, which does change mm-hmm. the dynamic of like all. It's funny because all of the emphasis on de-escalating bullies has empowered mm-hmm. bullies because yes. nobody has nobody has the backing of authority to just right. smack the crap out of them. That's it, man. And here's something to think about. There's a lot of people walking around now. That probably should have got smacked in the mouth when they were kids. Oh yeah, you know, and they're just walking around unabated, and nobody's ever told them you act like a jerk, and you know they never had that moment of of truth that we probably all have, where somebody like somebody puts us in our place. You know, um, I don't know. I think, and, and again, this this may be just the wistful remembrances of an old man, but I, I think there is something healthy about that whole dynamic that you're right. We are missing it in our culture. And as a result, yeah, bullies are being further empowered because they're ultimately protected, right? Um, They're being protected and empowered. And there are a lot of people walking around, you know, as adults who should have got smacked. Um, That's not a happy note to end on though. And I realize we're coming to the end of this app and that's, that's maybe not the note I want to end on. So Hmm. why don't you say something, Piper? (laughs) Well, I, I was just about to double down on what you said and said and, mo- and, and say, and most of those people are now raising bullies themselves. Um, it's true; they are. They yeah, absolutely I, are. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a ton of happy, except that I think if all of us collectively empower our own children to mm. take, not to take matters into their own hands, because kids have poor judgment, but to give them specific instances in which standing up for themselves is the right thing to do. It, yeah. 
hopefully we're raising a generation who will mm-hmm. who will do better with their kids than our current generation of parents do with these little these little pissy bullies. Exactly. Dude, and you know what's you know what's hard that I kind of default to? Um and again, I have boys and they're they're a certain kind of boys, so this is easier. Like I think operatively for me the answer is just make sure you have tough kids, you know, that that don't get picked on. And I, I don't know. I'm, that, that isn't the answer because that's not the case for everybody. Well, and it's, but, and it's all, yeah, and it's also not up to the parents. Like there are kids yeah. who are just inherently more sensitive or who sure. just not aggressive. Right. And I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, my kids don't get targeted. They there are yeah. mean kids, but they don't get targeted. Kids who get sure. targeted, like there's not a lot you can do, especially when it can happen via text message and via Snapchat sure. and via Instagram and via like the internet yeah. has opened this door. Like you. You can't hunt down everybody who says mean things on the internet, which is why Ted right. is not on Twitter. Um, Absolutely. So it's because I would want to hunt them all down. Please believe. So I, I think but, that that does open the door to something very different. But I I, th- but toughness is also just there's a level of confidence in it. So raising your kids That's to go, it. you know what? That I don't I don't need their friendship, so I don't feel small because you know when they dislike me, That's and right. and I can just I can learn how to have thick skin. Yeah. I can learn how to have thick skin and I can also say to them, look, I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. So th- this is not going to be a thing. And then and then the ball's in their court. So but it is harder pipe. And you're absolutely right. You you bring up a good point with the Internet. And, you know, that brings up the conversation. And it's one that that KK and I have often in my house, which is how how much of that do we let them experience and at what age? Um, because. Yeah, I have my opinions about it. Obviously, the the <laughs> listeners know um, how I feel about a lot of that stuff, but I don't want to be a a dictator as it pertains to, you know, letting my kids experience some of it. So, but it's hard, man. And and in those contexts, especially as writers, and this kind of goes back to our what it's like to be a professional writer conversation. I mean, when you do write and publish, or you have any kind of a public life at all, um, people can be vicious and. Uh, yeah, it can be hard to deal with that. So, um, you know, I think I think we all make decisions as to how much of it we want to open ourselves up to. Um, and I'm probably honestly, I was probably better at dealing with physical bullies than I am at dealing with like jerks who stay say stuff on the Internet. You know, um, in a lot of ways, that's worse. So, yeah, uh, in, in the creative realm, especially because that's something that like. Having somebody come up and be like, "Your shirt's ugly," you're like, "Okay, mm-hmm. I don't, whatever." Yeah, but, whatever. But when they're like, "Hey, you wrote a crap book," yeah, that, that was a lot of pouring yourself into a thing to sit yeah. there and, and have some hack who doesn't even know how to use <laughs> apostrophes correctly, yeah, sit there and insult you. Like that's it. My hackles go up when that happens, and it's it. Yeah. It takes a lot of uh, restraint not to not to respond badly. Man, I'm with you. I'm with you, and. You know, part of my move away from social media was the sense that I don't have the equipment inside of me to not respond badly. You know, <laughs> so I just need to I need to not be in the arena in, in that way at all. So. Um, so, yeah, again, matter of personal conviction, probably. And, and it would be interesting, though, to to talk to a lot of parents about about how they deal with this. I would be interested to to hear from people on that. But uh, Piper, we have. We have done what we often do on this program, which is to wander to and fro throughout these topics. Uh, I have enjoyed it. 
I will enjoy it even more live in Louisville uh, together for the rants. So if you haven't done so already, grab your tickets at happyrantpodcast.com. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.